Welcome to Lab Sessions. I'm Zach Elliott. I love people, and I get to learn from some of the best. This show gives me a chance to invite you to join me in pursuit of more life and more beauty. Here's to that pursuit and to the conversations ahead. Hey, welcome to Lab Sessions. You've heard me say that adoration is the first position of creation, that we're literally designed to worship, and that as creatures, we can't help but respond to the presence of God. It's in us and a part of who we are. And to be fully human, to experience true flourishing, is to worship. And we all do it. We all worship. The question is, who or what are we worshiping? And is the source of our adoration both knowable and yet beyond our full grasp? Something that's larger than us, something that unsettles us, something that's beyond our understanding or our reach. And I'm always interested in learning from people who seem to exist in the tension of knowing God and yet being drawn deeper and deeper as if they're sailing toward a horizon that doesn't ever end. Knowing and yet searching, and in that space. And people who live there have something beautiful to offer us, and in some encouragement that I think is important for us to hear. Well, Jonathan Ogden is on that sea. He's an artist, a worshiper, a designer, and a fellow voice announcing that the vision is Jesus and inviting people to look to him. His work as a solo artist is featured on V3 Radio. He's a part of the band Rivers and Robots, an indie worship project, and he's a founder and creative director for Set Sail, a, mission, a missions organization based in Manchester, United Kingdom. Set Sail has started, was started by the guys in the band Rivers and Robots, and their aim is to make God known through creative arts and to encourage and inspire fellow Christian artists and creatives. Their team sees themselves as creative missionaries. And in the same way, missionaries throughout history have set sail to nations around the world to preach the gospel and tell people about Jesus, they are sharing the same message through art and creativity. And I need to add this, Jonathan is not only an incredibly talented creative, he also has a humility and an authenticity to him that is refreshing, and you can recognize it immediately, and it's a quality that we can feel here all the way across the pond, as some might say. So, Jonathan, it's a delight to share some time with you, and thanks for making time to be here with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. You are out in the UK. Before we dive into it, what's life like out there, um, and what's (laughs) it been like for COVID? Give us just a sense in Mm. your landscape, because we're experiencing kind of different things depending on where you are in the United States, but what's it like for you up out in the United Kingdom? Yeah, um, it's been kind of crazy in the UK, I think. Um, we were actually out on a tour uh, in Brazil in March and then um, kind of reading the news about what was happening around the world at the same time. Um, we had to fly straight back to the UK like a day or two early and um, pretty much landed home as lockdown started here in March. And um, I'm in Manchester, which is it's kind of been one of the worst areas for the, in the UK. And I'm also still living with my folks and my dad's kind of on the shielding list which meant we've had to be even more strict so i've pretty much been at home since march (laughs) aside from a few kind of you know walks in the park and seeing friends outdoors and things but yeah just a lot of time at home things are slowly opening back up now but yeah it's been a a long journey (laughs) 
Did you get called back from that tour? Did you have to cut the tour short in order to get home before they closed airports and kind of put a no travel uh, in place? Yeah. Or? Yeah, it was, um, we managed to do like eight of the nine dates that we had planned. And then the very last one um, was in a place called Florianopolis. And we literally flown in and the day before we were about to play, um, like the mayor of that area announced that there'd be no gatherings of more than 10 people starting that day. So we literally had to cancel and fly home straight away. So yeah, reality kind of kicked in pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have, it looks like you've gotten to work in a really kind of new way. You're figuring out as a lot of artists are, how do we continue to use our gift, sharpen our craft, do all of that mm-hmm. through Zoom and through these different landscapes. And I'm sure yeah. that's been kind of challenging, disorienting, frustrating, all of it mixed in between. But in a word or two, kind of looking back at 2020, for you as an artist and just a person of faith, what would you say Mm. kind of some themes are? What are the top maybe couple words that come to mind when you think about 2020? And fair game, you Mm. can say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think um, for me, I, I felt like God was kind of speaking to me about the theme of rest and um, even like in the year before, towards the end of the year, it was just things were getting so busy with ministry and all that we were doing. And um, yeah, when March came around, I was like, okay, this is almost a forced rest. <laughs> it's like I'm kind of kept in this place at home and normally I'm someone that kind of thrives on being quite busy and having a lot to do. And, um, it was a challenge to begin with, but um, I became like thankful for the season at the same time. Obviously, I'd rather there wasn't a pandemic and <laughs> the uh, circumstances are not the best, but, um, you know, given the situation, I think I just saw it as a time to really like dig deep wells and, um, yeah, just a, a season to actually pause for a little while and, um, just get used to like being in my room and spending time with Jesus again and just the simplicity of that. And, you know, the big gatherings weren't able to happen as much and it was just me and my Bible and my guitar in my bedroom and, um, yeah, that's kind of like how things started for me in a lot of ways on my worship journey. So it's kind of like a return to that of just learning to just worship on my own in my room and um, just kind of like growing intimacy and yeah, kind of dig wells in my relationship with Jesus. It's been good for that. Yeah, I love the way that you describe that being good, but kind of forced rest, like it, it's not mm. natural. And yeah. kind of as I as I got to know your work, you're an independent artist, but you're also a graphic designer. You have yeah. your independent projects. You have Set Sail, the organization, which we'll talk about, and then Rivers and Robots, the band. And I was I was looking at that kind of ecosystem, and I was like, okay. I can't wait to get to know this guy a little bit more because you have the creative potential and and capacity of a an artist, and mm. yet you are scaling things in a way that is maybe difficult for that artistic creative side of some of us who mm. who have ideas, we have creative things, we have projects and visions and dreams, but but they're tougher. We need partners. We need help to to kind of scale them or make them visible. You seem to have the capacity mm. to kind of straddle both those sides and spin, <laughs> spin some plates, create some things, 
and mm. kind of draw from that deep artistic and creative well. Is that mm. am I is that an accurate picture or is that kind of the Instagram from across the water <laughs> view that we've idealized? Maybe you can tell me your Enneagram type or something that can help <laughs> me say like, is that really true? Because that's pretty brilliant and beautiful that you've got both of those at work at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it probably comes across as easier <laughs> than uh, than it is in reality. But um, yeah, I do like to. I mean, I'm definitely like creatively driven and I really like just being in that place of creating things, writing songs and doing design work and I definitely spin maybe a few too many plates than I should. Um, a, a lot of my friends that know me are kind of like roll their eyes when I start another side project because they know that I'm like <laughs> launching another thing, here we go. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely challenging to try and do all of it well and I think that's something that I've wrestled with is like is it okay to have so many different things going on or should I kind of focus on one and try and master one thing and um, I think I enjoy like the diversity of it I like being able to kind of spend some time focusing on music and then be able to kind of switch to design for a while and then um, yeah but like you say the structure of it is like a lot of work and I think particularly when we started going full-time with music and design and all of that i I didn't realize how much admin was involved. And, um, you know, my friends would say, you just sit around with your guitar all day. And I was like, well, a lot of it's, you know, answering emails and <laughs> doing spreadsheets and all the stuff that doesn't sound like an exciting artist life. But there's a lot of structure that goes into just making something sustainable and being able to have space to create. And so it has to be pretty kind of ruthless with carving out that time sometimes. So, like, I even do simple things like Mondays, I'm like giving that time to admin and just getting all those kind of jobs done. Fridays I try and protect as like creative day and I'll just try and make something in that day. And Yeah, I've had to kind of figure out how to navigate my time, I think, but it's been a good learning process for sure. Yeah, that developing that counterbalance is, uh, it's an art. It's an art form, mm. and it takes years, I think, for us to, I don't know if we ever really get good at it or master it, but it's that tension mm-hmm. between giving yourself space to go into those creative places and then a counterbalancing with the things that anchor us. That Take notes, yeah. and then you can share your notes with us, I guess. But <laughs> I've been doing some work with Alan Hirsch and the 5Q community from South Africa, and he's just done a lot of work on the apostolic giftings and all kind of all the mm. fivefold ministry gifts. And as I hear you talk, it's interesting that that missional, even Set Sail is a missional organization, kind of apostolic, mm. evangelistic. There's some prophetic gifting in the in what you write and the heart of God coming through, and you you have a little bit of all that. I'm I'm wondering if there's some apostolic gifting that just and it, what's interesting about that gift is it creates space. That one creates space for the other giftings to kind of manifest. And so mm. you ha- if you if you shrink back from those diverse places that you like to operate in then other things don't grow. It's a really generative gift. So mm. I say lean into it. Keep doing the counterbalancing, <laughs> but we need you in those spaces. So Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think here we are at the end of 2020. We're knocking on the door of 2021. Mm. And it always happens, you know, at the end of the year, the beginning of a new year, we always, it provokes kind of a recalibration of sorts and a clarifying of vision. And I think 2020's punctuated that. And Mm. one of the things that resonated so strongly with me when I first heard your music was that you really seem to know 
God, not just mm-hmm. at a head level, which is important, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that that comes out in your art, but as a person, yeah. you seem to have been moved by revelation. We say in our community, the vision is Jesus, and that is we're, mm-hmm. as creatures, we can't help but be moved when we see him. Does mm-hmm. that idea resonate with you and your experience? When you hear me say that, you go, yeah, like, that's what I experienced. That's that's mm. true in what I know uh, of God as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, like, we probably have a few kind of life themes that we navigate to a lot and land back on when we speak. And for me, one of those things is, like, the knowledge of God and just, um, I think, in the songs that I sing and um, everything I try and write about and speak about, like, it's just about knowing God and going deep in that and trying to share that with other people. I think it's like a prayer that I prayed from being a teenager is like, I don't want to know just about God, but I want to know God. And um, particularly growing up in church, I think it's easy to kind of hear the Bible stories and kind of know the information. (laughs) Um, But probably when I was around 16, 17, I kind of realized a lot of people talk about like, it's not religion, it's relationship and that kind of thing. I was like, I don't know if I know God in that way, like I would know a person. Um, I think I know him in the way that I know information about something. And um, Yeah, that kind of just set me off on a journey of that. Like, okay, how do I pray? How do I like read the Bible in a way that becomes conversation with a person and not just words on a page? And um, I think the more I started to dive into that and like, particularly one book was um, A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy. And just, I think every chapter looks at a different attribute of God and every attribute I read about like blew my mind. And I was like, my prayers got pretty quiet for a while because I was like, I don't even know how to speak to someone who's like this holy and just awesome. And um, I just realized that every time I'd come back to the Bible and look at different attributes of who God is, that like there's so much I didn't know and so much to figure out. And um, yeah, kind of like you mentioned at the start as well, I just love that idea that we get to know God and he invites us to know him. And then at the same time, we can never fully know him because like he's so much bigger than anything that fits in a human mind. Like he has to be beyond a human mind that he's created kind of thing. So um, yeah, that excites me. I love that I could spend my whole life trying to figure out even just one attribute of God and still not have it figured out. <laughs> um, and that we get to like endlessly go on that journey. So that's really like a core thing for my life is like, I just want to get to know him more as a person and um, as God and be in relationship with him. And um, the things that I see like in the word and read about and those things that kind of, I guess, become a revelation to me and that kind of blow my mind are, are the things that I want to, try and communicate to other people through the songs that I write. And so, um, yeah, I think everything starts with just knowing him. <laughs> you said that really well. That, And I think when you described that, what you felt, I knew a lot about God, but mm. I, I had to come to this place where I went, I think I know information about mm. something, but I'm not sure that I know someone. And mm. I think when you put it like that, I'm sure people listening, a lot of people have said, 
that I had that same experience or they currently say I have that experience. I mean, we grew up, all of us kind of came of age in the, in the information age. And mm-hmm. so information is just, is everywhere. We've heard it. We can hear every Bible story, the Bible app, the Bible projects, the gospel projects. I mean, like information, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're like so saturated and it's like almost over it. Like we're drowning in information for mm-hmm. you. What, how did you approach that? Like when you realized, I know a bunch of information, but I'm not mm. sure that I know God. Mm. I'm, I'm just imagining you like at a trailhead and there's kind of a fork in the road. What is it? What did it look like for you to say like, no, I'm going to pursue God. I want to know him, not just information about mm. him. Like just help us out for all those people who are listening, who are like, Jonathan, I'm right there. And I don't yeah. know. I don't know what to do. Like we're doers, and I go. I, w- I want to know what to do. Is mm-hmm. there a way that you can kind of say, "Well, this is how I started that process," or maybe here's what I had to deconstruct and able to allow myself to have that? What would you? How would you respond yeah. to that person who's like, "Yeah, I, I feel you. I'm right there." Yeah. No, I, I definitely relate to that because I think I am a quite a doer person in a lot of ways, and I think that was my first question was like okay, God, I want to live for you. Like, what do I do? Um, and I prayed that a lot as well. And like, even thinking about being different parts of one body and I used to pray like, what part am I? What, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Um, I think a key verse for me was um, where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And like, it's that same thing, I suppose, that like you can describe a food and um, tell me all about what it's like, but I'm still not going to know how it tastes without tasting it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was in worship, I think, was um, the moment that it was like a, something that engaged my heart. And um, I remember, like, I was a very shy kid, teenager, and um, I would sit at the back and normally, like, help with the words on the projection in church and that kind of thing. I remember one of my older brothers was actually leading worship and just gradually like seeing these words of the songs and trying to like engage with them beyond singing them. I don't fully know how to describe it, but um, I think there's just a point in like singing these songs where I was like, okay, rather than just sing these words, like I, in my imagination was like, right, I'm singing these to a person <laughs> um, and like, trying to imagine the person and like all the descriptions of God and his in the heavens and all of that and try and like picture myself there and be like, I'm actually singing this to a real person right now. Um, and I think it was just in that space of worship and a, a few different events over the years, like I just experienced kind of a freedom and I guess my heart connected to the words and the information. And I think worship and music and, art as a whole has a way of doing that of like engaging our heart and our emotions in this stuff that we're talking about and yeah for me it was it was in musical worship it was that place where um i just started to realize the truth behind the words i was singing and that it's a person and and just trying to have conversations like i think prayer became a lot more um simple in some ways that hmm. I, I often found that i would like pray in a very set format and like use a certain prayer voice and all of this kind of thing. Um, I feel like God started kind of prodding me on that issue and almost being like, 
why do you speak to me in this voice that you don't talk to anyone else in? Um, I started just speaking to God like I speak to a friend, and mm. obviously with the reverence and the holiness as well. But um, yeah, I'd be like walking on my way to work and just telling God about things that were on my mind and things I was feeling and um, things that were happening in my day. And uh, I think that with the Bible as well was a huge thing when I realized that when you read the Bible, it's, it can be conversation material. Mm. <laughs> um, and especially things like the Psalms, the Psalms really opened that up for me because they're so personal and they're so, like, there's so much emotion and just heart in the words that I realized that I could take a Psalm and, um, I mean, example, like Psalm 23, like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and then take that and, make that dialogue and start praying like, Lord, thank you that you're my shepherd. Thank you that you lead me. Um, I trust your leadership and know that you're a good father and all this kind of stuff. So it's just kind of taking those words, taking the truth and then going, okay, how do I turn this into speaking to God about it? And I found that when I did that, like the Bible just came alive in a way that I hadn't experienced before. And um, yeah, there would just be like words jumping off the page that Mm. for me were like God speaking to me and, they'd relate to things I was praying about the day before and all of this stuff. I was like, oh, you can actually speak to God and hear from him. And <laughs> it's kind of different, but he really is like interested in me and my life and what's going on in my day. And um, Yeah, I think that's kind of the process. <laughs> yeah. If you're, for everybody who's listening, I want to encourage you, like, pause, maybe go back, just put a reminder to go back and listen to this part of the conversation again, what Jonathan just walked us through. There is, I don't know that there's anything that I'm more passionate about than this conversation, because I think it's where we become Mm. fully human, who we were created Mm. to be. As we said, like, worship, adoration is our first position. It's it's in our DNA to experience what you're describing. And I think it is so hard. I love that you said taste and see, um, Mm -hmm. because I think for a lot of us, we go into that space. Again, we win these domains like worship. Yeah, we, we get it. We know how to do that. They put words on the mm-hmm. screen. The band is great. I go in and I'm, I participate. But we're, mm-hmm. but we're not there in engaging, allowing those words to kind of take on flesh, to embody themselves in a way that we encounter the truth and the person that we're singing about. And if you're listening, I'm just encouraging you, like what Jonathan's describing, that the original posture and creation, like naked and unashamed in the garden, without masks, without armor, without mediation between, but just in the honesty of our being, allowing yourself to be loved, to taste and see the love of God. Like you have to accept God's love for us, you you have to allow that wave to kind of crash over you in order for you to respond to it. And forgiveness, Mm. the same way, mercy of God, the goodness of God. Like, I just want to push you kind of into the pool if you're listening. Like, allow yourself to let go of the fear or the whatever the thing is that holds us back from kind of falling into those truths. Because it's until we experience them, you know, we the response comes after the encounter with mm. God. And that's something that I think we struggle with in America is we try to come in having intellectually encountered God, we get it, and then we rush right in and, and try to then do something because of that truth instead of allowing mm. a real encounter with the person of God or the love of God to then provoke a response. And so, thank you for 
setting that up, I got to hear you kind of dive into that a little bit about that encounter and response um, mm. reality. And I listened to you speak on Revelation 4. And I wonder yeah. if you can kind of just t- talk about why that specific section of Scripture is so important. And I'll set it up like this. There's, in Revelation 4.8, it says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And after listening to you talk about that, I went back and I, I read that, and I loved some of the things that you pointed out, especially about the eyes. I, I just want to <clears throat> give you that and let you go wherever it takes you. But <laughs> Revelation chapter 4, why is that such an important verse in the context of this encounter and response? And then what is <clears throat> it about those eyes that maybe we missed or haven't, haven't understood, haven't seen? Mm. Yeah, I think Revelation 4 has been one of my favorite passages for a long time. And um, I don't know if it's maybe the visual thinker in me that like, I like imagery and I like um, being able to kind of visualize a scene. And I think there's several passages throughout the Bible, like this visions from Daniel and Isaiah. And um, several times we see this kind of like throne room scene. But I think Revelation 4 for me feels like one of the most descriptive and um, there's just so much detail in it. There's, I mean, that whole passage is like even the colors and the um, the sounds. And yeah, for me, this is like, uh, I guess the place where worship happens. It's like, even when I'm leading worship, I'm trying to picture this scene. <laughs> and, um, you know, it talks about like, um, is it the harp and the, the bowl and that being offered in the throne room is like the prayer and worship of the saints. And so I'm like, when I'm worshiping, whether it's like leading worship or just alone in my room, like my worship's being heard in this room and in this space that's being described in Revelation 4. And, um, yeah, I kind of picture that as like my voice is numbered with all of the <laughs> millions of voices going on and like worship happening in that throne room right now. Um, yeah, I love this scene. I love the the creatures were just fascinating to me. I just, I just yeah, every time I read about them, I'm like, what are these strange things covered in eyes and um you know why why are they there what are they doing and um i think the eyes are quite significant because it's like it's almost like the creature's job description is just to look at god and like behold him and just take in all it is and then um yeah they respond um with the cry of holy 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 like that's I think for me, probably one of the clearest definitions of worship is a response. So like you see something of who God is and then you respond um, based on what you've seen. And yeah, I just keep thinking about that scene and the fact that they're there all the time and um, like even having so many eyes around and within, it mentions like it's almost like the external appearance and internal kind of searching and discovering of who God is. And, and like they're never... They're just saying this over and over again, like, holy, 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 which is, um, like, other than or separate. It's like, I kind of picture it as, like, they keep looking at God and just thinking, I've never seen him like this before. <laughs> uh, I've never seen this side of his face before. And um, then they, like, respond in worship, and then they look again, see something else they hadn't seen before. And, and they had just have been doing this forever and will do it forever. And, mm. um, yeah, like, nobody's 
making them stay. Nobody's like mm. thinking they're on a rotor and they have to switch out and do something else. Like they're happy just being in that place, looking at God mm. and responding in worship. And um, yeah, I just think even like the examples of like John's response, how he falls down like a dead man when he sees Jesus. And um, I think it was Isaiah or Ezekiel, someone that's like by the river and said he was there like seven days unable to speak after he um, saw this vision. And I just think, man, there's so much we haven't seen yet of who God is and how amazing he is. And we often kind of stay where we are, like our understanding of God and say like, we think we've got God figured out and we've heard all the stories, but like when you see people who even walk with Jesus, then see him in this way and it's like a completely different thing. I just, it reminds me that there's so much more we haven't seen. Um, like what more response would I give if I saw more, you know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'm always trying to just be in that place and yeah, whether it's worship or prayer, I just, I try and visualize that scene. I try and put myself in that place and picture God who's like unchanging, but, it's still mm. there's something new to see every time. <laughs> mm. What an incredible invitation. I think about, you know, if you if we were invited to explore like a national park or something, you know, here in, mm. in the States we have like Glacier National Park. It's just it's massive. And so yeah. you can go there and you can take a four day trip and you'll see like mm-hmm. a corner of it spending four <laughs> days of your life. And then you go back for another week and you still haven't seen hardly any of it. And then you zoom out and you take a drone shot and you look at where you actually went and it's, mm. you, you're not even close. And <laughs> so I love the invitation you're giving that holy, holy, holy. Every time I see you, I, I can't, I'm saying almost the same thing because there's a new part of you that it's like, wow, 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 mm. ah, 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 over and over and over. I just keep kind of going around the bend and I, I, I think I'm going to get there, but it just keeps opening up and I see more. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you're listening and, and just it's gotten stale, like tr- to be honest, relationship with God, the, we become distracted, we become isolated, we become discouraged, and we've just kind of shelved it and Netflix is on a loop and that's what it is. I'm telling you, there's a deeper part of your hu- humanity, who you've created, who you've been created to be. Mm-hmm. And it, you'll, you, we, won't un, we won't experience the fullness of our being until we allow ourselves to kind of keep peeking around that corner and responding mm-hmm. to what we see and who we see. And so, and, and this will affect everything. I mean, it's, it, it's glorifying to God. It, it brings joy to his heart when we seek like that, but I will tell you that we become less diminished. We, there's a fullness to life that comes to us, and that that has implication to marriage, family, our calling in the world, vocation, all of it. Mm-hmm. So, Jonathan, thank you. Just the encouragement that worship is a response to what we see and what we hear of God. You also talk about it in terms of a declaration that it's not just mm. you know worship is yes a response to what we see and what we hear, but you also talk about it as a function of declaration. What do you mean by that? Mm. Yeah, I think um, another part I love about that scene is the when the creatures say "Holy, holy, holy." Um, it says, "Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, um, then the twenty-four elders fall down before Him." and they worship the one who lives forever and ever. Um, they have their declaration too. And it's almost like a provoking thing that happens. It's like, um, 
the creatures look at go and see him and make that declaration. And when that happens, these 24 elders around the throne do that too and, and they make a different declaration. Um, I think I just I see that even in like some of the Psalms and reading about like the way the temple was set up, that this like singing was almost this like uh, singing back and forth to one another as well as singing to God of like, um, yeah, these reminding each other of like God's goodness and faithfulness. And um, I've heard it described as like the horizontal aspect of worship too. Like there's the vertical singing straight to God and then there's the kind of singing to one another and proclaiming that. And um, yeah, for me, I'm like, I see that as, well, there's, there's a lot of sides to it, but I think there's an evangelistic aspect of like actually making God known to the world and uh, revealing Jesus to people who've, never heard of Jesus, never met Jesus. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of going out and making that declaration. Um, but there's also even within the church, like being able to call one another and just like remind one another, be like, isn't God good? Like mm. think about his faithfulness, think about his mercy. And, um, yeah, that invitation to just keep going and like come and see again. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, I see um, for me, like in the songs that I write and uh the things I create and the videos and all of that, like I kind of see my, I guess, calling and purpose is to be a messenger. Um, kind of like John the Baptist was as well. And um, yeah, the message is just, is Jesus. It's like um, who he is and his character and his nature and attributes and just like revealing him to the world and to people who don't know him yet. And if somebody could like, if I can take something that I've seen of God and communicate it in a song, and someone hears that song and like receives some of that same revelation, then to me, that's just like the best thing I can do with music. <laughs> um, and so that's always my aim is to try and like be a messenger for God and like tell people about who he is. And like, I think it's particularly with rivers and robots, like nearly every song we write is just some attribute of God or like an aspect of who Jesus is. And we kind of just dive into that and explore those lyrics and very kind of vertical and, the lyrical theme, I guess. Mm. As you're talking, I'm just imagining like that that trip to Glacier National Park or something like if somebody runs in there and they see something mm. and then they run back out and we meet them kind of on that horizontal plane and they're yeah. coming towards us and they're pointing back. Like they're just, they kind of have the glow of what they've just encountered and they're mm. like, you've got to see this, you know, fill in the blank. Like I just discovered the most, whatever, amazing waterfall or trees or yeah. bear or whatever. And you can't help, you said it so well, like come and see this Christmas invitation, like come and see what mm. God has done. I love that. I have not thought about worship in that sense before. Like I mm. think about it very vertical, but I love the way that you're describing this, this horizontal encounter that, that kind of comes from the presence of God pointing back and inviting mm. other people to come and see that is, I, I that for me that will change. I, I know that will change my experience both both privately but also uh, corporately when we get to engage this together. That there mm. is a function where people see us all pointing in a direction, and it makes us look. It makes others look like when they go, "What, yeah. what are they looking at?" And to hear somebody say, "Look at that! There is holiness there. There's beauty there." That's beautiful. Mm. How, I mean, with a rational mind, you know, and that we're so top to bottom, left to right for sure, and we've been conditioned to kind of think that way, and it's good 
the truth as a, as a cornerstone and foundation. And I want to put an and there and say, and the arts can point in a different way. You talked a little bit about Rivers and Robots. You talked about your graphic design stuff, the work you're doing with Set Sail. How are you using the arts or incorporating arts and artists in helping to point like that, in using mm-hmm. that unique capacity to not just with words, but with kind of a picture that can say a thousand words. How are you using those different venues to do just that? Mm. Yeah, I think um, for me, art, art is like a language. It's like um, a way of communicating something and it's something that kind of crosses so many like barriers and boundaries. And um, One of my favorite memories was like playing in Japan and um, before we went, I didn't even know about the landscape of the country, but finding out that it's like less than 1% Christian. And, um, there's actually a lot of people there who've never even heard the name Jesus and, <laughs> um, even such a modern country. I remember we got this opportunity to go to an open mic night in Tokyo and we kind of just went along with our band and, um, we got up there playing worship songs and these songs that we've written and, singing about Jesus and like seeing people connect with what we were doing without, I mean, there was a language barrier, there was all kinds of barriers going on, but um, yeah, just like in the middle of this huge city with people we've never met and because of like the vehicle of music and the art aspect of what we're doing, like they were able to engage and listen and like have some kind of connection there. And then, um, I mean, a lot of them took CDs and various things. So um I don't know what the lasting impact of that will be, but um, I think there's just something about the way art like engages our emotions and our heart in the in the the message. Like, and I've definitely experienced it with songs and with movies and all kinds of things. There's just there can be something that's creative and like helps me to see something I haven't seen before or think about something a different way. Um, I think for me, it's like that's why I'm passionate about trying to equip artists and creative people is because there's such a gift there to be able to carry the message of the gospel and the kingdom and um, in a way that's like really engaging and really like inspiring and all of that stuff. But it's, uh, I think often a little brushed over to an extent or um, I think we limit what the arts can look like in a church context a lot of the time. I think we see it as, if you're a musician, then you should be in the Sunday morning worship team. And um, I don't know if you make films, then you can help film the church promo videos or whatever it is. But I'm like, there's context for this, like in the world, in the marketplace as well, like to be like the songwriters and the musicians out there and to be the ones making great cutting edge films and um, like pushing things forward. Cause I, I think a lot of the time churches kind of looked at the world and, made the Christian version of it. And um, Mm. it's not always been that way, even in history. Like there were times when if you want to see the best art, you come to a church (laughs) Mm. Um, and, you know, just absolute masterpieces of creative work that were done to tell the story of who God is and, um, and point to him. So, yeah, I see it as kind of like a renaissance, kind of getting back to that place again of like freeing artists to say like, be free to go and create and like be yourself and do your unique style and not make it have to look or sound like anyone else. But, um, 
that this is actually a valid way to be like missionaries and to be to do evangelism and <laughs> you know do that thing you're talking about of coming back from seeing what you've seen and, and sharing that and like your art can actually be a way to share that with people um really connect with people so i love you are literally like right now on the call in this conversation rewiring my brain <laughs> it's insane like what's happening right now because i am just and maybe it's just me catching up but as you talk about evangelism in this way i think i have such a truncated kind of reduced one-dimensional view of mm -hmm. arts and i even fancy myself like i'm an art guy i love art and yet mm -hmm you're just rewiring my brain to think like if I were sending people, like if Elon Musk were bringing back a team from Mars and <laughs> yeah. he was trying to inspire confidence for people to want to go to this new place, Mars, and to encounter mm. it themselves. Like, yes, he would take the technical writers and there's all this stuff to get us there. But, mm. but really it's the artists who would come back and draw a picture of what they saw and that, mm. that would inspire us to want to go. And I'm just yep. thinking, like, good night. I love that you are entering clubs in Tokyo and you are going to these secular spaces and not mm -hmm. trying to, as you say, go in and do what they're doing, but you're entering those spaces unapologetically telling what you've seen. And I think mm. that that's something like... We're not we're not singing our songs, the church singing our songs in our cute little way, and we're trying to gain an audience in a bar or something, and then do kind mm -hmm. of kind of bait and switch, like put you in there, and then you'll hear my my version of telling the story of Moses or something in kind of a <laughs> yeah. transactional way. But if we think more of like, hey, no, let's release artists to re to, mm. to flow out of the presence of God, and then just go put on display what they've seen and mm. that will inspire people to move in a direction like i want to go there mm. i want to see that <laughs> i want to and, yeah. and if you come back and you feel like well i'm not allowed to talk to you about that so i'll talk to you about new york city well i've already been to new york city yes mm. you can traffic in that as an artist sure paint me another picture of what i already know but i want mm. you to i want you to bring me something new i think in that way there is an endless well for the Christian artist to say, like, we're dealing with the alpha and the omega. Like, like I want mm -hmm. to show you something that none of us have ever seen, but I got to go. I think Isaiah does that like a little bit yeah. in, in allowing us to see these crazy things that we go, what is that? I don't know, but I want to go find out. Yeah. You're, you're blowing my mind with the, <laughs> the capacity for the Christian artist to enter the, the quote unquote secular world and, mm. and put on display something that makes me thirsty. It makes me inspired to go see where you've been and who you know as an mm. adventurer. And I love, I think that that's why set sail, when you talk about you, you're a missionary using, you know, traveling, kind of going and returning, going and returning, it's so mm. important. So if you're listening, set sail, is it setsail.com? How do people? Uh, it's time to set sail.com. Time to set sail. <laughs> I love it. Time to set sail.com. Just go look it up. Find Jonathan. Find set sail. It's at time to set sail.com. And I just want to fuel what you're doing. So if you're listening, join me in praying for Jonathan and his team as he inspires artists to do what we're describing. 
And also, if there's a way to support that work or encourage that work in some way, I don't know that there's a more important thing right now, as Jonathan kind of points to a new Renaissance movement, to for those who have the capacity to tell stories, not just with words, but with pictures and with scenes and with with context and texture and all the things we love about art, it is a language that will speak across all of the different things that divide us. And the artists are going to be the one. I heard someone say that it will be artists who will be the next Billy Graham. And people in America have said, who's going to be that next voice, you know, calling people? And I wonder if there is something in what you're saying that is very true that says now it's going to be artists who put something on display that's so incredibly beautiful that we have to come and see. That's mm. phenomenal. Talk about Rivers and Robots a little bit. I've been listening to some of the worship sessions you do, and I love, I love just your, your crew, who you are, the way you approach worship and music. But tell us the story a little bit. What's the history of Rivers and Robots, and what's maybe the future going to be for, for that project? Mm. Yeah, we um, it started almost 10 years ago now, actually. Um, it was, I was probably 18 years old, and... It kind of came out of a curiosity from living in Manchester, which is a big music city, and we just see a lot of bands coming through and lots of different styles. And I started to realize that almost every band I was seeing in like the club venues sounded really different and had many different styles of music. And then um, all the churches I was going to, we kind of sang the same style, <laughs> the same songs. And um, it just kind of put the thought in my mind of like, I wonder how much room there is for more diversity of sound and just like the style and genre of the worship that we do and has worship kind of become a genre in some way and does it need to be um yeah i didn't know if anyone would even listen to what i was doing but i just had my little laptop and a keyboard in my bedroom and um i grew up listening to lots of electronic music and um enjoying like folk as well lots of like harmony and melody so it was kind of just an attempt to worship in a new sound and um I just kind of blended that style of like the folky melodies, which I see as like the rivers aspect with like electronic music production, which is the robots aspect. Um, and yeah, the, the first two albums were just made that way, me and my bedroom. And um, I met some friends during that second album that ended up becoming the band and we turned into a four piece. And it was kind of just like very slow build. It wasn't like an overnight huge thing but um people gradually started to connect with our music and getting emails from people saying that you know they were looking for a different style and it's uh, really helped them to engage in worship and um yeah eventually invites started to come through to play um around the uk and in different countries and it felt for most of it like we we're just kind of playing catch up with what god was doing and um we kind of had to figure things out on the go so <laughs> we'd have opportunities to travel somewhere and we'd be like okay let's figure out how we do that, how do we play these songs live, how do we um, like put a Rivers and Robots set together, which we've never done before. And um, Yeah, ended up writing with those guys and going on to make, I think, six albums we've done now. Um, so, yeah, it's been just a crazy journey and it's definitely gone way beyond what I thought it was going to be. Like My genuine aim for it was to put some songs on Facebook so my friends could hear them. <laughs> and uh, it's just ended up becoming a full-time thing and being able to travel to a lot of different countries and ministry in that way. And it's been amazing. And, um, and my favorite thing with it, I think, is 
seeing how many other people are doing it because I didn't know this was like a thing you could do to worship in a different style and I didn't know where the songs would fit or if anyone would even listen. And, um, yeah, the more we traveled, the more we realized like actually there's a whole lot of people doing this kind of thing and um, like worshiping in a lot of different styles and ways. And it's so diverse now and I, I really love that. So um, it's just exciting to see what's happening and all the new music that's being released around the world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I love it. If you're if you haven't engaged Rivers and Robots and just go go listen and you'll start to do what I did, just follow the catalog and and you'll keep going. And I love hearing that it's 10 years that you've been doing mm. that project and yet there's a there's a nowness, there's a freshness and I think too in your writing kind of the theological depth the personal relationship and knowledge of God that you have, and then the kind of the artistic, the pioneering side of you. Mm. I, I don't know that there is a, there isn't a, a backstop for that. I think that I can't wait to see what just keeps coming as you let the mm. sail out, so to speak. And so thank you for that. And everybody who's listening, go find Rivers and Robots. It's, it's There's a beautiful aspect to and and not just the catalog online that you can purchase, but the worship sets, things like that. You'll you, it'll be good for your heart and good for your soul, Jonathan. I want to be sensitive of your time, but I have to ask about the your project twenty four. This is the independent mm. side. So again, set sail missional organization, rivers and robots. The project, the band project that kind of is married to the ministry side and the missional movement side. And then there's Jonathan, the person who, just as an artist, you released this project 24, and I love it. It is absolutely beautiful. Tell the story of what 24 is. How did that become an independent album? Yeah. Um, So 24 started as um, mostly instrumentals that I had. Um, As I mentioned, I've grown up around a lot of electronic music and always loved that kind of style. Um, and actually, before I was doing Ribs and Robots, that's what I used to make as a teenager was like a lot of beats and electronic um, music. And so, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed that style for a long time. And every now and then I just make instrumentals. Some of them are used as like backgrounds in videos that we'd make for set sale and that kind of thing. Um, I started to notice people asking if I could release some of those beats and the electronic stuff I was doing. I didn't really have a context for it. I was like, I don't know how it makes sense of releasing that kind of music but I always like to have a, a reason for putting something out and a, a concept to build around and so I started to think about a way that I could do a more electronic project that would have a reason to be a lot of different styles and sounds and um, I came up with this idea of 24 like representing the 24 hours in a day and as soon as I thought about that I just got really excited by the concept because I thought there's so many uh, like even every hour of the day feels different to me in some way. Like, I don't know, the type of music I would listen to in the morning is very different to what I listen to late at night. And um, I just thought it would be so cool to try and create a whole piece that like has individual songs, but kind of flows as one at the same time. Um, and yeah, it really became an exploration of the whole theme as well. Like, it's really about recognizing God's presence in every moment and every hour of the day. And um, the fact that in different times and places and uh, hours that God's presence is still there and he's still speaking in all kinds of different ways. Um, I think it was Psalm 19 talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, 
It says like day to day pulls out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. And that was kind of my anchor verse for it. I was like, okay, there's something about even the sky, like <laughs> the way the sky even speaks about who God is. And it's like a picture that he paints every single day that's changing and like is speaking something. And like, are we listening to what God's saying throughout the day? Um, and even like seeing his message in what he's created in the world. And um, yeah, largely instrumental project, but there's about nine tracks of the 24 that have vocals as well. And they kind of develop that theme of um, just learning to, not be distracted and actually like tune in and listen to what God's doing and recognize his presence. So it was a kind of a learning process of even that understanding as well as like creating a musical thing for me. So I really enjoyed working on that. Yeah. It turned out in, I mean, you hit the mark of what you were after because what, what I've found with 24 is that it does fit so many different moments, so many different contexts. You know, I'll listen while I'm driving. I'll listen, you know, at the end of a day or while I'm trying to write or something. Like, there's just so many mm-hmm. ways that it is a gift and kind of helps invite us into a space. And so, go. you can find that on iTunes. Jonathan Ogden, just search that. And then 24 is the, the record that we're talking about. And you'll love it. It's beautiful, and it's something that you should get just to have in your, in your catalog that you can pull out for these different times. You will find that it keeps giving life. And will there be more independent stuff or how do you balance what you're writing or are you focused more on new rivers and robots projects will there be some more independence mm. is it kind of up in the air and just what happens in 2021 <laughs> yeah i'm uh, i'm working on some more solo stuff at the moment so um i have an ep that i've almost finished um working title is songs from home but i might call it something more interesting but uh yeah these are just simple kind of worship songs that have come out of this lockdown time. Um, and so, yeah, kind of doing very stripped back. It's very different to 24. It's kind of almost more of a restraint of like how few instruments can I use and <laughs> how, how little effect can I put on stuff and just sound really natural and raw. So, um, yeah, working on that at the moment. That should be out, I guess, hopefully early next year. We'll see how things go. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, Keep, keep writing. I'm so grateful for who you are, for your perspective. Again, just your love for God and your authenticity in being a person who loves God and is just on the journey to see more of Him. And your art is a gift to so many of us. So I can't wait for people who already enjoy your music to, to hear some of that or, or revisit it again. And then, man, for what's coming up, I can't wait mm. for that. So thank you for all those things. Before we jump off, uh, I want to invite you to just encourage us, kind of pastor us as a community. Here we are, and we are the church in America, so many of us navigating, people listening all over the world, navigating so many distractions, so many Mm -hmm. challenges, so much cross-pressure. And I'm just wondering, from what you have learned as an artist traveling, you've been in these times and cross-pressures before, and Mm -hmm. and you've been at that place where you're kind of depleted and distracted, at a habit and practice level, just pastor us all a little bit as we begin 2021. What are some of the ways that you have found that have helped you recalibrate? And as we say, turn your vision up, set your eyes back in a place where you can, you can both receive and give life in kind of that, 
beautiful loop that we were created for. How have you mm. found your way back to that space when you have been pulled and maybe, you know, wrenched in some of these directions that we've all felt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, for me, it's uh, finding rhythm is a really important thing. And so I see even ministry and creative things like it's kind of like a breathing in and breathing out thing where I can't give out unless I'm taking time to like receive as well. Um, and if I'm just continually trying to breathe out, I'm going to run out of breath. <laughs> and so for me, it's about finding the rhythm to just like sit at Jesus's feet and let that be the place that like the things come from and the work comes from. Um, for me, like Psalm one has, has been my go-to for that. So it talks about the tree planted by streams of water and, um, that its leaves don't wither and it bears fruit in each season. And mm. that to me is like the model of like, it's not even like the trees going out and coming in. It's like staying there, <laughs> um, and it's staying by the water and feeding from that. And that's why it's able to produce fruit. And it's not having to like strive and work really hard to make that fruit. It's just kind of planted where it needs to be. And so on a very practical level for me, that's like just the spiritual disciplines, like, reading your Bible and praying, like the, the basic Sunday school stuff that we hear. But um, for me, that regular rhythm is like the place that keeps me planted there and means that fruit comes from that. And I think when those like simple habits fall out of place, then I start realizing I'm running out of breath after a while. <laughs> mm. I love the way you describe the inhale and the exhale. And mm. maybe as simple as that, we'll leave that picture with everybody listening that as we enter 2021, just just know that you were created for both of those, the inhale and the exhale, and mm. there is life. And without it, it we, we will feel that the, the strangeness of that feeling where we cannot breathe and something's diminished about us. And so, give yourself the space and the time, and, and to Jonathan's point, those simple disciplines that are not always easy to keep, but doing simple things well creates that capacity for for an inhale and an exhale that is life-giving. Jonathan, thank you for pastoring us. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for your creativity. And I know everybody's going to be praying and and go find the music. Look at Set Sail, timetosetsail.com. And someday, if we open up uh, in, in the COVID landscape, we'd love to bring you out. And so maybe there yeah. could be a project in the future. We can bring you out to Tampa or something like that. And cross paths again but until then thank you so much for who you are and what you do yeah thank you zach it's great to chat to you thanks for having me all right thank you for listening make sure to go to apple podcasts and subscribe to lab the podcast you can rate and review us there and then follow me at zach j elliott or on my website www.zachjelliot.com i'll see you again for our next lab session and until then here's to more life and more beauty